Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. So, so Dim, I got to tell you a little anecdote. Um, yeah. That, so um, today is hopefully the last day I'm in my ankle cast. And so, I don't know, I just got a little bee in my bonnet. And uh, it is the penultimate day of school here in Portland. And so I suddenly was like, oh, I want to go and, you know, drop the kids off at school with you, Jack. So I, I can't drive because it's my right ankle. And so um, we dropped Phoebe off at her school. And then there's a little bit of time to kill. I'm like, well, given how long it'll take me to park and, you know, or Jack to park and then me to walk in, I knew we'd be okay. So anyway, driving home, though, from school, we're at a stoplight. <laughs> And I look out the window and I see a penny on the sidewalk. Oh my gosh. And, and I'm like, gah, gah, can't jump out of car. And I'm like, Jack, a penny. And then we're sitting there and then I see a dime. And I'm like, Jack, there's a dime too. And he's like, oh, oh, he's like, if it was paper money, I'd stop, I'd park, but we can't do it, you know? And da, 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 da. And so I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm thinking, it's enough that I found it. And so then, um, so Jack takes me home, he drops me off, and then he heads off to work. And about five minutes later, he texts me a picture of the dime and he just says, the penny was already taken. And, oh. and I just thought, I texted him back. I said, you really love me. <laughs> you get me and you love me. I was going to say, I think you probably would have sent Molly back out. Like, oh, I just, well, Molly, go to the sidewalk on the corner of first and main. No, that's what I was going to do. I was, if I'd had time, I was, I had, I hadn't eaten breakfast. So I had to eat breakfast before we re- record the podcast. And so I was a little pressed for time, but I was going to say, I was going to tweet Portland mother, you know, hashtag Portland mother runners go to 28th and Broadway, Northeast 28th and Broadway. Broadway, there's a dime and a penny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. 11 cents. 11 cents. That's yeah. a good, that's a good, uh, you know, uh, that's a good, what is it? Some money payment. I don't know for, yeah. for taking your kids to school. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's about so. what it feels like it enders out to after a full, full year of school. But I just felt like so trapped behind the glass, yeah. you know, like, the oh, window. I gotta get there. I gotta and get I'm there. like, I can't get out. <laughs> So like, uh, uh, a, a bee in a jar, yeah. in a section of a jar. You've got the you've got the holes. You can breathe, but you can't get out. <laughs> right, right. So how did the triathlon go, Dim? Um, it went really well. It was a good. It was a really really good day. It was unexpectedly good. Um, in the way that I just haven't been training with a lot of focus on a triathlon. I've been active a lot, you know, but traveling for, you know, a quite a bit for AMR. Mm-hmm. And um, what what did you say, Sarah? I said a lot of parties. A lot of parties. Yep. Uh, good, good reason to not be training, but um, a lot of parties <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, hadn't really been in the pool much. I just have a hard time forcing myself to get in the pool without a really pressing matter. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so I got out in the swim and, um, and that was hard. It's always farther than I thought it was going to be. We talked about it last week. It's actually 1500 meters, which is basically a mile, um, yes, more or less. Yep. I think I definitely swam a mile given my, <laughs> my lack of sighting. Um, and then I got out on the bike and I just was just like, okay, let's go, you know? And, um, and I kind of forced myself to race a little bit, which is not my MO. Like, mm-hmm. um, we did, uh, two, the, the Olympic distance did two laps of a 14 mile course and the sprint did one. And, um, and so ba- heading back out on the second lap, um, this woman passed me, and uh, I was like, okay, you know, I could let that be, or I can, you know, I, I wasn't going to pass her again. Like she had too much, she was tiny and had too much gas in her engine, but I was like, I can hang with her. Like I nice. cannot, I can just let her pass me or I can say, okay, well you can pass me, but 
I'm going to hang, you know, mm-hmm. not draft off of her, but, mm-hmm. and I did for a while. I mean, you know, I just like, was like, okay, am I, can I, can I give it a little more? Can I give a little more? And I did. Um, so the bike was good. And then the run was, I have to say, I was really psyched with how my run went, um, given that I haven't been able to run much. And I, yeah. um, it was just solid. Like I just, I, um, my, my Strava, my Strava, I, I, I ended up, um, recording it on Strava because my watch, my Soleus was a little screwed up and I couldn't quite get it all connected. And I just wanted to put a, a race on Strava once. So I oh, just, yeah. so I recorded yeah, nice. my bike and I recorded my run and, oh. um, and then on the run, I just did nine minutes of running and one minute of walking. And that was really, um, really hard. And I like definitely hung in there. Like, cause I, my back really gets tight when I, um, after running, after walking, uh, riding my bike. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so um, am I well, even making any sense? No, 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 no. And I want to ask you a question. So when you say yeah. it's hard for you to do the nine one, it's hard because you don't want to start running again. You don't want to slow down to a walk. Why is it hard? It's hard for me to run for nine minutes straight after oh. being on a bike. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. okay. Because your lower back. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, um, it is just hard for me to run off the bike. You mm-hmm. know, there's just something and, and having swum too. I mean, there's just, there's just something about my, Kinetics. you know, the way that I am make, you know, my structure that, mm-hmm. so, I mean, so, you know, I feel good for about five minutes and then the, the next four, I'm like, I feel like my stride just gets like ridiculously short. I mean, you mm-hmm. want it short and quick anyway, but mm-hmm. as my back, like my back kind of ratchets up and my feet just kind of wind down and, um, I mean, it's hard. It is very humbling because people come whizzing by you, you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing so well. I'm doing so well. And, and then these little whippersnappers, you know, on the run that are just really good runners or more fit or a combination or whatever, they can just fly by me. I mean, somebody emailed me um, afterwards and said, oh, I passed you on the run. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a surprise. You have like, you know, 40 people passing me on the run. Um, but she ended up taking, there was a, uh, like I said, a sprint going on and a 10 K going on and she took the sprint. So, mm-hmm. um, so I felt was a that, little, you know, I, was that the woman who recognized go, you by your voice or no, no, that was another woman on the bike. That's yeah. when, uh, yeah. When I complimented her pink bike. Um, <laughs> and I think I can't remember her name now, but we were tweeting back and forth a little bit, but overall it was just a really good day. And I, um, so yeah, it felt really good. And now I have to say though, I feel like I slammed into a wall like mm-hmm. about Monday. Like I just with the travel and the triathlon and school being out and mm-hmm. and everything else. I'm just like, wow, I just need to um lighten your load. Just have a yeah, have a have a rest week. And so that's what I'm doing. I took Monday off. I um did a short workout yesterday. I'm not gonna do anything today. Mm-hmm. I'll do something little tomorrow. Like I'm just gonna have a super, super easy week. Well, that's good. So, You're listening to your body and, and looking for the signals and, and listening to what they're saying to you. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. So we have a guest on today and it is Laura Swenson, who is um, a mom and an avid runner. And um, her accomplishments include running Boston, the Boston Marathon four times and uh, doing rim to rim to rim Grand Canyon run. Um, she's done that three times, which makes me tired even just saying it. Um, she, uh, Laura is also a spinning instructor and a fitness instructor, as well as a noon ambassador. And her website is, um, definingfitness.wordpress.com. And so, um, we look forward to talking to Laura, but before that, we're going to take a short break from our sponsor. Laura, thanks for joining us today. 
Hi, it's good to be here. Good, good. So, so Laura, you've had kind of a meteoric rise in, in running. You ran your first marathon in 2001, which in my mind sort of seems like yesterday. And yet you've accomplished so much with your running, including running more than 30 marathons. So tell us about your evolution as a runner. Um, I just, I think I'm one of those people that never really considered themselves as a runner. Um, in 2000, I was running with a friend and we just had this kind of crazy whim idea of let's just do a marathon. And I think prior to that, I had run maybe one 5k (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, half marathons weren't like they are today. They weren't as common. Um, so I just started following a little training program. I think we may have gotten online. I don't even know if that was available back then and, um, followed it. And we did our first marathon in December of 2001. And I think I was hooked at that point. I did another one six months later. But, but 30 marathons in, in like, you know, basically only 13 years practically, because it was almost 2002. I mean, how, how have you shoehorned all that in? Um, I think when I first started running, um, marathons, I've always been a runner. I, you know, high school I ran, I ran as a kid, we ran around. I feel like I've always been running. Um, but I was doing about two a year. I felt like that was reasonable and safe. And with a young family, it was enough, you know, to, with training and, and getting away from maybe one marathon out of town mm-hmm. per how, year. How old were your kids at that point? Um, my daughter was turning two and so my son would have been about five, Mm -hmm. almost five. So, um, you know, young, but not too young where you could leave them for a weekend trip to go, you know, run a marathon somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. I did my second one in San Diego, rock and roll. And, um, then I don't know, um, as I think as I got older, I got a little crazier and a little more bold and thought, oh, let's, you know, a marathon month apart. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) So what, so out of the 30, so are you at 30 now or have you done more than that? I've done 32, I think. 32? And so are you, are you like, do you like to go back to the same ones? Do you like to do a new one? Are you doing 50 states? Like give us a little bit of how you pick them. Um, I pick them pretty much what's close by and what's kind of a fun little weekend getaway, maybe with girlfriends. Um, I live in Arizona, so there's a lot of races in California. We've done like Long Beach, which is an easy little getaway, San Diego. Um, and I've done a lot like in the Phoenix area and I live in Tucson. So I've done the Tucson marathon every year, um, wow. since 2001, I think with the exception of one year where I did a half, my first half marathon, um, <laughs> many years after, because I was doing a full marathon in January, it was the inaugural Phoenix rock and roll. And, um, I think I took Tucson marathon off completely one year when I was pregnant. Mm, okay. So, wow. but I did run another half marathon with that same pregnancy because I had a free race entry. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> and then I got pregnant and I was like, what? I got it. Happened. I yeah. got to cash this one out. Who cares about what's going on in my body? Um, well, so what's, do you have a favorite course or some, you know, one of them that stands out? I'm always um, just curious if 30, you know, 30 plus is a lot. It, you know, I, uh, Boston has, is amazing just for what it is, the legacy and the history, um, the people that are there, the city. Um, that's like one of my all time favorites. 
And you've done that four um, times. Is that right? I've done it four. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go back. Maybe this year my son was graduating from high school and it was just a really busy spring. And I ended up doing a marathon and two ultras in the spring instead. So I don't know if that was really freed me up as much as I thought it would be. But. <laughs> well, you really cleared your schedule there for I your really son's senior spring. Yeah. Yeah. They were really cool ones. So I did one up in Monument Valley. Um, which through Ultra Adventures, which was just an amazing place. I'd never been there. I've lived in Arizona my whole life. And um, that was, I did a 50K up there. And then a friend of mine was doing one up in Phoenix called Crown King, which has a, it's pretty legendary. It's pretty tough. Uh-huh. Um, I've uh-huh. seen bumper stickers. I don't know where people get these bumper stickers. They have bumper stickers that say, I survived Crown King 50K. And I'm like, oh, I need that. <laughs> I have no bumper stickers. Peel, it, car, off, peel it off their bumper if I someone know. had taken <laughs> onto yours. <laughs> After you do that run, you really feel like you survived it. You didn't just run it. You survived it. And you can, you know, you've lived to tell a tale about it. So Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, something tells me also that you must survive um, running in the heat very well. Do you have any, as we're heading into summer, it suddenly occurs to me you might be able to have some tips or you know i don't know advice well, Other, you know, obviously yeah. drinking noon we're all lovers of noon love love noon i'm yeah. so glad i found that i actually discovered noon before my first double crossing in the grand canyon mm-hmm. um because i it's not like you can bring a bottle of gatorade or something with you when you're trucking that many miles mm-hmm. and there's no aid stations or support so um that's how i discovered noon and i've loved it ever since but um you know, in, in Arizona, we, we, it's not hot all the time and it's a dry heat for most of the year. Mm. So, um, the thing is we have very vast temperature changes. So when you run early in the morning, it could be a nice 60, 70 degrees, maybe 80 degrees in the hotter part of the summer. And then of course it heats up by seven, eight o'clock. Once the sun is up, it's, it's sizzling. So it starts getting up, you know, about a little over hundred degrees, probably for most days <laughs> in the summer. Um, so, do you- so I don't really run when it's hot mm-hmm. um, unless I'm training for something that I know is going to have a little bit of a heat element to it. But you're out there and it's, you know, if I run for starting at five, sometimes I'm run, still running at seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. So you do get a little bit of heat. I don't worry about it so much when I'm training. Um, but if I'm doing something like Grand Canyon or when I did Crown King, which was very hot, um, at the beginning of the race, um, I've learned to carry like a little bandana with me and, you know, depending on the race or the course, if you have an aid station, just wet down. Um, if you're in Grand Canyon or on this other race that I did in the spring, you wet that bandana, you know, wet your clothing, your head and just try to stay cool and try to just stay ahead on the hydration part, always drinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are your favorite flavors at noon as long as we're on the topic? Um, you know, I have yet to try watermelon. Oh, okay. The summer I, special flavor. Uh-huh. I know. I need to give that one a try. Um, I love the cherry lime, uh, strawberry lemonade. Those are my, probably my favorites, but I, I don't know. I haven't really had a flavor go wrong. I like tri berry, mm-hmm. uh, lemon lime. They're all good. I haven't had a flavor go wrong. That's a good. I haven't had a flavor <laughs> go wrong with noon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, so um, so talk a little bit about um, the rim to rim to rim, mm-hmm. right? So you're going over across, the, going through the Grand Canyon and coming back again. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what? How many times have you done that, and, and what's that experience like? I've done it three times. I've got another one coming up in October. Um, it was amazing. Um, in 2013, I did my very first 50k. Um, really nervous about that at the time. And I happened to meet somebody 
And then we became Facebook friends. And he kind of put out there like a like I don't know, about a group about running the Grand Canyon. And so I messaged him. I said, wow, you know, it's always been on my bucket list, but I've always wanted to do it with somebody that is uh, knowledgeable and knows what they're doing because it's not something I would have ever felt comfortable taking on by myself, like as far as finding maybe your way on the trail. I knew nothing about it, the water. Um, and plus, it's it's a very intense run or fast hike or how, even a walk. Yeah, um, no, it's definitely an intense situation. Yeah. You want some guidance. You want some so, guidance. <laughs> so that was like a month after I did my 50K. And he said, the, we kind of finished the 50K at the same time. And I said, uh, he said, you know, judging by how well you ran that 50K, um, he goes, I think you would have no problem doing it. Just train, you know, more hills and more, you know, constant climbing, whatever. So I did that for about um, – I had about a month and I really didn't commit to it. Like I wouldn't really tell people about it because I thought I could change my mind because if I don't tell anybody, then no one's expecting it of me. And then um, I was really afraid to, but I, there was a part of me that just really, really wanted it. And so I did it and it was, it was hard, but it wasn't um, impossible. You know, it, it, you know, I did fine the whole time with nutrition and hydration and my legs held up. So I was super happy. I was like on a total high. And so, I mean, how, how many miles is this? How long is it? It you depends. Know, what's the elevation yeah. change? It's um, a good, oh, about 5,000 feet on the rims. Ooh. And the mm-hmm. actually the um, north rim is 1,000 feet higher. So mm-hmm. if you, we, we start on the south rim, mm-hmm. and there's two trails you can take down. And one is steeper, one is a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of have your choice on how you want to handle the descent. Um, I've done both. Um, which do you prefer? Um, gosh, that is a good question. I think, you know, it's hard to say because sometimes it depends on your training at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, this last time that I did it, I went with a couple girlfriends and a couple guys that, um, I met through the Grand Canyon running group online. And, um, we went down Bright Angel Trail because mm-hmm. you can park right there, and that's a lot easier in the morning to just say, okay, we're all going to park here, meet here, and run. And it was nice. I think even though it's a little bit longer, um, it's it. I felt like I had more legs at the end of it because it wasn't as steep. My quads weren't as killed <laughs> right, right. <laughs> at the end. But, uh, you know, it's going to be about anywhere from 43 to about seven miles depending on the trail so like I said if you start on South Kaibab it's a shorter trail but it is really steep mm-hmm. um and typically we start early early like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning mm. um which is it, advantageous for a couple reasons one it's going to be cooler mm-hmm, and sure. in fact it's usually cold up on the rim and then once you come down into it it's it's a com- more comfortable temperature um the other ad- advantage is, especially if you're going with a newbie, is it's so breathtakingly beautiful that if you're running with a lot of people, everyone has to stop and take pictures. <laughs> and you can add a good 40 minutes uh-huh. to the descent, which is about 10 miles or so, um, to that because everyone's like, oh, wait, the sun's coming up and you know, got to get a picture. But if you run it in the dark, everyone's just focused on their headlamp light and getting through it mm-hmm. and making it, you know, basically to Phantom Ranch, you feel like, okay, you're down at the bottom when you hit Phantom Ranch and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So, and then do you get, you, you mentioned water is, um, 
Can you do purify the water out of the Colorado River or what? How does no, that work? in fact, you really shouldn't drink out of the Colorado River. You can use, you can purify the creek mm. uh, water that runs to the Colorado. Okay. Um, and that's really what you're running along most of the time. You kind of run down to the river mm. and you run across the river, but you don't really run along it for very much time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that. But the nice thing is if you take Bright Angel Trail, you've got water stations, um, Indian gardens. And then, um, there's usually another little stop where you can find water and then Phantom Ranch. And it does help if you can go on their website beforehand, because they are dependent basically on like a single pipeline that Mm -hmm. kind of feeds water to all these little stations. And very often they go out and in the winter time, they turn off the water so that the pipes don't freeze. Sure. So if you're going in the wintertime, you might have water at Phantom Ranch and maybe one or, you know, that's it. But most people don't, you know, do it so much in the wintertime because it's really cold in the North Rim. Yeah. And that's an important thing to know, though, ahead of time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whether you're Mm -hmm. you're going to have something to put your noon tablet into Mm -hmm. rather than just sucking on one. Exactly. (laughs) And a lot of people do bring um, little filters like, Mm -hmm. you know, that you can attach into your like camelback. Mm -hmm. Um, You can or just like, you know, like a straw, basically, like, you know, you can use that as well. Um, Other people I know have drank like right out of the creek. (laughs) So, you know, I guess, you know, you know, if you're willing to risk it, that's fine. I have never been, I run the last couple of times I've run with about a hundred ounce, um, pack Mm -hmm. and I've never really run out of water. The first time I did it, I didn't really, you know, I just used what I had out of my closet, which was about a 70 ounce, if that. And, uh, I was, dry just about every time we hit a water station. So, Hmm. but I think those things are kind of hard to fill up completely after you, you know, Mm -hmm. when you got all that stuff in the backpack part. Right. So it's hard to say if I was really going through a true 70 ounce, you know, pack of water or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and how long does it, does the whole journey take you? Um, I say if you're pretty consistent and, and you, you know, you have to stop a little bit and take it in, in my opinion, it's not a race. No one's, up there with a stopwatch, you know, telling you what place you're going to come in. And you, it's for a lot of people, it might be once in a lifetime. So I'm always like good with, Hey, you know, take some pictures, you know, have some fun, look around, enjoy the beauty of the Canyon. Um, so if you were to factor all of that in, um, taking a little break on the North Rim when you hit there, a good 15 hours Mm. is good. I think if you could do it in, 12 to 14, that's, that's pushing it. Sometimes I'll, I'll get people that message me and want information like, what do they need to bring? What do I eat? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, yeah, I think I can do it in 12 hours. I'm like, well, I mean, maybe you can, but mm-hmm. let's, you know, be realistic about it and don't miss out on, on how beautiful and wonderful the whole experience can be. So, so on your blog, uh, you wrote, um, something magical happens when you step outside your comfort zone. And it mm-hmm. def- definitely sounds like maybe you've experienced that with some of the women you've helped run the Grand Canyon or some men you've helped, um, run the Grand Canyon or, or in some of the students in your classes. Could you tell us a couple times, like when you've seen that happen or, you know, how you've experienced it yourself? I think the first time I really stepped outside of my comfort zone was moving from a marathon, which I felt I feel pretty comfortable with. I mean, I can train really well and have a great race or I can barely train at all and still be able to pull it off. Um, 
but the first time I really stepped outside that comfort zone was when I decided to do a 50K. And I was looking for a fall marathon. And this, I had a friend that did this one and he kept saying, you, you can do it. You should do it. I'm going to be there um, with my family. And I was like, oh, you know, it, the terrain sounded really hard. Um, it was far up in northern Arizona. It was a big drive up on a, the Hopi Reservation. And um, I, just something inside of me just said, okay, I'm going to go for it. And um, I brought two of my kids and my mom with me. And a friend of mine loaned me a very large uh, tent <laughs> that we could all fit in. Mm-hmm. And um, I had never done anything like that. I'd never set up a tent by myself in the middle of nowhere on this Indian reservation. And let me tell you, there is nothing out there. Once you enter onto those reservations, I I really didn't think about gas, uh-huh. you know, and there are like not even gas stations. Like there was nothing. It was the great land of vastness. And we found where we needed to go. We set up our tent. Um, my mom is now 81. So she probably was about 79 at the time. Oh my gosh. And you have <laughs> plus two kids. Uh-huh. She works out with me. And I had two kids. My son would have been about three, maybe go three years old. And, uh, so, you know, it was just, I just wanted to make it a fun experience for them. I thought it'd be good for them to go on to the Indian reservation and, and see how things are different. And it's a cultural experience running like that. It's, it's very spiritual for them. This race is called water is life. Mm. And, um, so it benefits all those people that live there, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, you basically run on the ancient foot trails of their people. So back before they really even relied on horses, um, people were the messengers. And so there's all these foot trails that go from one mesa to another mesa or from one village to another village. Um, and so by us going there and running on these trails, I learned that we keep those trails alive because people don't use them so much anymore. So there was like a bigger meaning behind it. And then, you know, by taking that step outside of my comfort zone, running that 50K, I met somebody who really opened up my eyes to what I'm capable of doing and what the possibilities are out there. And that was when I did the Grand Canyon. And he is um, very knowledgeable about the Grand Canyon. And I did it twice um, with groups pretty much led by him. I mean, he kind of called the shots. And then we were had a, a group last, um, a year ago. So like last October ago. And, um, he said, you know, I'm not going to be able to make that trip. And I was like, uh, should we still go? And he's like, you, you can do it. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with that. He said, well, you're going to have to, <laughs> because <laughs> these people want to go, you know, my two friends wanted to go and, um, but they were only doing a rim to rim. I was going to do an R3 and, um, you know, you can do just one, a single crossing and catch a shuttle on one side and it'll bring you back to the South rim. And that was their plan. And then I met up with these two other guys who had hoped to do an R3 and I thought, well, I'll have them so, to run back hold with. On. So, so R3 means that you start say rim. on the South, you go and then go to the North and then go back to the mm-hmm. South. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the double crossing. Mm-hmm. And so, so um, I was kind of the go-to person for that, um, which, you know, it boosted my confidence that A, I had the answers for them and B, that I could do it and I could help them do it. And um, everything went pretty smoothly. Um, I'm actually one of the guys that was supposed to do a double cross. I don't think he was used to the heat and the elevations changes so much. Um, and I think sometimes people think Canyon, that it's, you, you know, in here where I live, I, I train on mountains for this thing. I don't. You know, it's, you have to train a lot of elevation and I don't think he had done that as much. And so, um, I 
I think he, I didn't really need to convince him, but he knew that when we hit the North Rim, he was pretty much done. And luckily that time of year, there were still shuttles running. We got him on a shuttle. He made it back to the South Rim and I went with the other guy who is from Phoenix, um, back to the other rim, just the two of us. So sometimes things don't go as planned, but I think everything worked out okay in that case. But the guy from Canada is actually, we're going to go again in October and he's going to have his second chance here to to do a double crossing. Sweet. Do a couple yeah. of repeats between now and then, hopefully. <laughs> I'm, I, I, yeah, I, I keep, we keep in touch through Facebook, and I'm like, okay, show me a picture of that hill that you're running. <laughs> he basically lives at sea level, and it's flat. Yeah. And there's nothing flat about where we're going to run. Um, and where I live, I mean, we're just, we have a little bit of elevation and um, some good places to train, great places to train here in southern Arizona. So, yeah. And I'm probably more acclimated to the heat than he was. Oh, sure, sure. Send him to a parking garage, put that treadmill on it. <laughs> I mean, it was a, I did the Pikes Peak Ascent and I can't remember, I was riding the bus home with somebody or bus, the bus back down the mountain with somebody and they were talking about, they found a training plan where it was like, basically like, you know, you keep your treadmill at eight to 10% for four hours, you oh, know, right. it's just basically going up the mountain, right? So like, that's the kind of training you have to do, right? If okay. you don't, if you, if you can't get, you know, with ma nature terrain, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Oh my yeah. goodness. Wow. So, um, so on your blog, Laura, you write about, um, fitness is beyond being skinny. It's about living your life with the freedom of being able to do things you want to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I mean, that's, that's obviously a super important perspective because, you know, what you see on the surface is often not what you get inside. Um, can right. you talk a little bit about that perspective, especially because you are a fitness instructor and a spinning instructor and, and come into contact with a whole bunch of different kind of people, range of sizes and shapes, right? Right, right. Um, I think it's it's really sad what the, you know, the media has told women and young girls how to look um, uh, and how to be, you know, because so few of us really fit that that model. And, um, you know, so when I train somebody, personal train somebody or work with somebody or even running with them, you know, some, you know, that's all we do is we talk a lot when we're running. And, um, I really like for, you know, especially if I'm training someone young for them to figure out that, think about what your body's capable of doing. You know, I'm, I played soccer until I was pregnant at about at 35, I played soccer and, um, you know, my brother used to tell me, well, you know, when you, she steps on that soccer field, like everyone's built like her, you know, I'm muscular, <laughs> you know, I don't look like a, like your typical marathon runner, but yet I've done over 30 of them. So is there really a typical marathon runner? I mean, we have those elite athletes. Yes. But very few of us again are going to fit that mold. So, um, and, and working with older people, you know, sometimes they, you know, wish they didn't have the wrinkles or the flab or the this. And I'm like, but look what you can do. You just took a spinning class for an hour. Like that's not something everyone else can do. And I think when you turn your, your thoughts around and you start thinking of all the things that you're capable of doing and how much more you might be able to do and just not worry so much about the surface stuff, you're going to accomplish more and you're going to do more and you're going to inspire more people just by going out there and doing it. I think you're going to be happier too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. true. So true. Yeah. So, so one of the reasons we wanted you on was, um, to get your perspective kind of as a fitness instructor. And so, um, you know, you see a lot of people in whether it's your body pump or your spinning class or whatever. I mean, um, I'm assuming some of those people are runners. What strength mm-hmm. deficiencies do you often see in runners? And, and, you know, for, for gals who are listening, what do you suggest that maybe they work on a little bit to overcome 
those deficiencies or those shortcomings? Typically, there's going to be some issues with hip and core strength. Um, so, you know, a lot of times, I know I made the mistake when I first started training for my first marathon, I kind of let go all the strength training. And I quickly learned that, oh, maybe that's why I'm getting injured, why my ET band hurts and, you know, my knees are kind of sore or whatever. Um, so anything that strengthens, you know, body pump is great. It's a high repetition count. Um, we have, you know, there's squats and lunges, which are good. Um, if I'm training somebody that might have some knee issues, um, training the vastus medialis, the inner quad muscle is really important for uh, stability in the knee, basically in the patella, um, especially if you're trying to overcome some outer hip tightness, like through the IT band. Um, Foam rolling is huge. Um, You know, I don't know what I ever did before foam rolling (laughs) because that's like a miracle worker for me. If I just make the time to foam roll, just even if it's not a lot of time on it. It makes a huge difference. Um, and stretching and keeping, I think most of us, whether you're a runner or not, but anybody that I'm personal training or working with, when we start to lose joint mobility, what that joint is, should be able to do. Um, that's when we start to learn, like we set ourselves up for more injury. So it's important to look at that. And I'm actually doing an all-day conference tomorrow on basically the feet. I'm mm. working on to a, getting a barefoot specialist training um, uh, level like certificate. So, um, you know, and as a runner, I'm really interested in this because um, keeping the ankles mobile and the feet stretched, basically they can get tight from tight calf muscles, hamstrings. You know, it's all related so you just kind of have to treat everything. So when, when you say when you say barefoot, then are you talking about running or are you talking about doing a fitness um, class? It's based, It's not. It's a certificate um, that basically you know when you look when I look at somebody whether they're runner or not runner, I'm going to look at their posture. How are they standing? Are they really rounded? Where are they tight? Um, and this kind of takes it down to the feet. Hmm. So you can look if someone's standing barefoot, if their feet kind of turn inward or outward, um, this is going to help me look at them and, and kind of, you know, understand, okay, we've got really tight muscles, maybe on the outside of the lower leg or on the inside and how we work on that. And, you know, I think as I work with a lot of older adults and thing, I think that, um, why they start to lose balance is because they don't move their ankles anymore. They shuffle along Mm. and then you ask them to really stretch out their ankles or their feet and they can't really do it so well. So, um, it just kind of sounded interesting, so I started looking into it, and I'm going to go to Phoenix all day tomorrow for that, so I'm excited. I take a, um, well, when I'm not injured, I take a, a bar-style class, and we do that bare, mm-hmm. barefoot, and I really feel mm-hmm. that that has helped me um, gain you know, uh, gain a lot of more strength and flexibility kind of in the smaller muscles around my ankles, and I don't know, I feel I have less foot pain after long runs when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm focusing on that, so... Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's so much nowadays with the different shoe options. You know, when I first started running, everything kind of looked the same as far as a running shoe. You know, and then Nike kind of came out with something that mimicked more of a barefoot running style. You have shoes like Ultra and Scora mm-hmm. um, that are zero drop mm-hmm. and can, you know, are more like barefoot running with just a little bit of cushion. So for me, there's a lot of it that makes sense. Um, I started running in Scora maybe like a year and a half ago Hmm. and I've done a couple marathons in them and I really like them. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, and I 
have noticed changes in, in my feet and my lower legs. Sometimes when you're transitioning into a zero drop, though, you don't want to go all out. Mm-hmm. You want to transition slowly into it. Um, I definitely had tighter calves, um, Achilles, mm-hmm. you know, if I overdid it in the shoes with a zero drop. So you just kind of rotating shoes is always a good idea too. Sure. Absolutely. Well, so, um, so you're talking about, um, the inner thighs and, and I realize it's a very personal thing and everybody has different issues, but I mean, <laughs> if, if, if somebody, if you were going to, you know, say, okay, here are mother runners, they like to get in their miles. They don't have a lot of time for strength training. What are like mm-hmm. some universal moves that, you know, they can drop right now and, you know, get into plank position or start squatting or what, what yeah. are some kind of things that you recommend that, you know, can't hurt regardless of how your body's set up? Right. Um, well, I think sometimes, like I say, if you're leaving, running from a park, like, you know, you all meet at a park and you run, you could definitely throw in some squats or sit to stands off a park bench. You could do lunges, um, you know, walking lunges, um, anything that would strengthen the lower part of the body. Um, at home, you know, you just need a couple little things. Like I said, a foam roller, I think is, is necessary for pretty much every runner. Cause we all pretty much get tight hips at one point, you know, even after, or especially after a race, um, planks are easy. If you don't want to be down on your forearms in the park or wherever you are, you can always put your forearms up on the the bench or a picnic table so that you're a little more inclined and not going to get muddy or grassy or itchy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I have people come to me with all different types of needs when they want to set up a workout routine. And, you know, I, I'm like, you can do it anywhere. You don't need yeah. fancy equipment that's going to get dusty in your house that you're going to hang your clothes on. You can do it anywhere and you just need a couple little things, um, whether it's at the gym or at home. doesn't have to be pricey or anything, just a couple no. good investments in your you just need to. You just need to to do it. I mean, honestly, and I, and speaking from somebody who, you know, I definitely go in waves of like being super committed to it and then being like, ah, you know what? I'm okay. I'm feeling strong these days, you know, later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do that with a lot of things, you know, sometimes even just foam rolling, it's like, okay, it would only take a couple minutes and then you start doing something else. And, or sometimes you kind of dread the pain. (laughs) Like, I don't, I want to know how tight I am in that hip area today. I don't know. But once you do it and you do feel good about it and you're like, okay, done. So exactly. Exactly. And I think consistency is key. You know, a lot of people beat themselves up like, oh my gosh, I haven't done that at all this week. But if you were pretty good about it for the weeks leading up to that point, or if you just do something that kind of engages similar muscles on a weekly basis, you're going to be okay. You know, it, it doesn't have to be hours, you know, huge time commitment to, to reap the benefits of doing a few simple exercises, stretching, strengthening exercises. It's it's just, I think the consistency is really the key. Oh, I like getting a pass from a fitness instructor. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to keep at it, though. You got to yeah. keep at it. It's like you have to just look at the big picture. It's kind of like running. I mean, you can't base your whole running career on if you had one single bad run this morning. You know, you think, oh, yeah. my gosh. Or one race. I mean, um, you know, if you – I was interviewed – uh, by someone talking about ultra running and I was kind of like, are you sure you want me? Like I've only done a couple. <laughs> and yeah. he said, yeah, he goes, definitely. I want to interview you. So when we did that, he, it was right. It was like days before my third ultra race. And, um, he said, have you ever DNF'd or how would you feel about that? That's a do not finish. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh gosh, do I really want to answer this question? Like right before my race. Yeah. 
Like it seemed like I was going to jinx myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, I said, you know, I never have. And, um, I guess I would be okay with it depending on the reasons why I DNF'd. If I was injured and I knew it was the smart thing to do, I'd probably be okay with it. If I just ran out of gas or maybe had GI issues or something like that, I might have a harder time with it because sometimes you think you can control those things a little better, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I have yet to DNF. And Oh, good. You know, I, was, I, I, was, I was waiting. I was like, <laughs> oh, please don't tell me that you then DNF'd in that race. No. no, but I that was a really tough race. That was the crown king um, that I was talking to him right before. And um, I would say there was a good dozen people that did not finish that race. And um, they'll pull you off the course because they closed the course after, you know, after a certain time. Mm-hmm. So there were time cutoffs. And, um, you know, that would be a bummer if you um, have that time if you didn't make that time, you know, you're you're slow, basically, um, that would not be fun. Yeah. But luckily so far, everything's worked out in my favor. I think, you know, I'm not like a super fast runner. I'm, I'm again, going back to the consistency. I think I've never really stopped running. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just kind of keep going from one marathon, you know, just kind of keep my fitness level up with, you know, pretty much one long run a week. Um, but I balance running into a lot of things. And sometimes people say, well, don't you wish you could, you know, find out what, how much you could really do, like if you just committed to running. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty happy mixing it in with a lot of other things. I'm kind of glad that it's not the only thing in my life because I think if I were to DNF or were to not finish or get injured or something happened where I couldn't run for a while, I think I have other things to fall back on, at least for now. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Well, I think honestly, I mean, you know, obviously, yes, you can train super hard and be super focused on running, but it sounds like the kind of running that you do where it's like a lot of, you know, trail running, ultras, you know, marathons, whatever, like that, you know, that's just getting your body strong and all your, you know, tendons and all that stuff, you know, is so much more important than, you know, another five mile run, you know, Uh spending that time in the, in the strength, strength training room or is there such a thing as strength training room? (laughs) (laughs) The gym, the weight room. I don't know. I don't know. Well, so, so Laura, what about, I mean, if someone is like kind of in your shoes and, um, and says, you know, I've done, you know, a couple of marathons and I'm thinking about doing an ultra, like, how do you, like, how do you know if you're ready and what, what kind of, you know, advice, basic advice would you give somebody who's thinking about it? I think if you can do a marathon pretty easily, um, in my opinion, even though like, I don't, it's amazing to me where you finish, you know, I usually finish most marathons like three thirty, three forty-five. Um, I mean, it's not where I started out, but that's kind of my average time of late. Um, and then I go, you know, you go run an ultra and it's like five, six, seven hours. And you just think, how does that not feel so much harder? And it doesn't because I think, first of all, you're running in usually somewhere beautiful. The the ultras out here in Arizona are usually in really beautiful places, which are really fun to run in. Um, and you know, you, you have this, it's like, okay to walk. You can walk uphill, um, because you have such a, a longer distance to go and tough terrain to travel over. Um, so when I first did my first ultra, my friend who was an ultra runner said, don't be afraid to walk. You have to, you can't run this whole thing. And I was like, okay. And so what I did was I was, I actually, my first 50 K I won. I was the first female. Wow. And so I had no other women in front of me. Thank you. <laughs> I went back and won it the year after too. So I think I'm going to avoid that one this year. <laughs> <laughs> Go out on top. But when, so I was running and I, I realized I'm like, I think I'm the first woman. Like I don't see anyone else ahead of me except men. But 
you know, a lot of you know, ultra runners are kind of these bright colors. And so, you know, as we would truck up, I watched them. And when they would walk, I would walk. And when they would run, I would run. Um, and so I just kind of, I figured these guys knew what they were doing. So I just kind of followed along with what they were doing. And that seemed to work for me pretty well. And then, of course, I always finish. I'm like, you know, I think I could have run up that hill a little bit more. I mean, <laughs> you know, I do it at home, but not when I'm running 30 miles. So, right. um, but, you know, you just never know at the time. Yeah. I just like to get it done. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I do, I do think, yeah, I mean, it's more time on your feet, but it's a different kind of intensity, right? Because yeah. there is a lot of like fast hiking, walking, mm -hmm. you know, and you're on a more forgiving surface, right? Yes. So, I mean, there is something that's, that's um, just much different than a straight up road marathon. Mm -hmm. Well, like, you know, if you're doing a marathon and it's basically flat, maybe it's got a little bit of elevation here and there, um, you kind of have this set pace that you want to stay at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes you can beat yourself up if, well, gosh, why am I not there today, you know, um, or, woo, I'm really flying. Maybe I should slow down a little bit. It's much like I feel like I'm constantly looking at my watch um, GPS when I'm running a marathon. When I'm doing the trail, like, you know, I just remember I when I signed up for that first 50K and I looked at the people's times, I told my friend, I said, it's not going to take me that long. And he's like, well, <laughs> I said, I'm, I really don't think it's going to take me that long. Like, I... I know myself and I'm looking at this course and I've been running something similar here where I live. And I said, I don't think it's going to take me that long. <laughs> and he was like, okay. And I remember I hit five hours and I was almost to the finish line. And it, I think I finished that first like five twenty-four or something. And, um, you know, cause I just had this, but I had a different, I still had, I think marathon mentality in that, in that first 50 K, which was okay. Nice. It sure. worked. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sounds like it, huh? <laughs> I didn't die. <laughs> You're here to tell the tale. Well, yes. thanks for chatting with us, Laura. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. It was so much fun. So Tim, I sometimes think you're, you think of the Pikes Peak Ascent. Do you think of, do you consider that an ultra, even though it wasn't longer distance, you know? No, that's more like a marathon. I mean, okay. that's what they kind of say that the time was close to your marathon time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So no, I mean, because it was just, it just, it was 13.1 or a little over or something like that. But, so I, no, that's... but when she talks about it, it sort of sounds like some of the, the, some common experiences there though. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, I, you know, I, who knows um what'll happen but i've always been intrigued by rim to rim to rim like oh I you know have I could, yeah oh, yeah wow. for sure yeah i've had some friends that did it um like i had a, a friend in colorado springs who went and did it by herself um a mom who's just like okay this is how i'm gonna get my space <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you're gonna get a lot of space <laughs> wow um so yeah i mean we'll see you know who who knows what the future holds but that's i mean you know i, oh, I love that kind of running um a lot Wow. Wow. I have to say, so have you been to the Grand Canyon before? Or no? I've never been. I've oh, never been. I have. So when um, my first husband and I drove across the country when um, a couple of days after I graduated from Colgate, um, we drove from Connecticut to San Francisco was our final destination. And we took, I guess, about three weeks, maybe. And we went to the Grand Canyon and we had not like done any advanced booking, nothing. And so we um, got the last, you know, you have to get a um, permit to go in. And we got yeah. the last permit of the day. And wow. it was at this little kind of narrow little portion of the 
Grand Canyon that kind of goes off like a little finger almost. So as we're walking down, you can't even see the expanse of the canyon. And I'm just like, okay, this isn't what I was expecting. And I was so miserable. And all I heard in my head was this, I had been listening, the first, uh, maybe one of the first, but the 10,000 Maniacs CD had just come out. This was 1988. And it was, um, that song, Like the Weather. Oh yeah. And, um, uh, but, and the uh, Natalie Merchant line is, by the force of will, my lungs have filled. And so I breathe. By the force of will, my lungs are filled. And so I that line just went through my head over and over and John Shea is ahead of me and finally I just couldn't take it anymore because I thought every step we take down we have to go back up and I'm not a camper so I wasn't looking forward to sleeping out overnight and I just finally started to cry and John looks back and he's like what is it? I'm like I can't do this anymore and we we were so far like away from the main lodge or whatever that we knew we had to catch the last shuttle. Otherwise we would have had to then like walk like something like seven miles back to where our car was parked. We booked uphill. Like we, we, I don't know. We had gone down for like three hours. We made it up in less than two. It was just wow. like, we were like, and so, wow. so, um, so I wholeheartedly support your, um, you know, <laughs> you're not coming. I'm not, I'm not joining you. <laughs> um, so, well, to hear more of our adventures and to share yours, please visit our Facebook page and like it. We are Run Like a Mother, the book. Our website, newly designed, it looks beautiful, is anothermotherrunner.com. And our store site is motherrunnerstore.com. And remember, that's where you can sign up for our 10K or our half marathon Find Your Strong Challenge. And on Twitter and Instagram, we are at The Mother Runner. We'd appreciate it if you would follow us. Our books Run Like a Mother, Train Like a Mother, and Tales from Another Mother Runner are available on Amazon and in local bookstores. And um, whether you're running an ultra or just around your block, many happy miles to you. By the force of will, I breathe, right? <laughs> by, the for- by the force of will, my lungs have filled, and so I breathe. So, and so I breathe. Yeah. And so I breathe. Yeah.